just so you know, we're going to be swearing like sailors in this episode. Yeah, really drunk sailors who super love to swear. (laughs) Picture this. It's July 2011, and we're in central London in a chamber of the House of Commons. Um, Good afternoon, everybody. This is a special meeting of the Culture, Media and Sports Select Committee. It is a follow-up to the inquiry which the committee held in 2009 into press standards, privacy and libel. Two weeks ago, the public learned that News of the World reporters hacked into the voicemail of a young murder victim. And remember, this is a tabloid that Rupert Murdoch owns. Now he's here to answer for his paper's wrongdoing, along with his second son, James. There's actually a video of the hearing. In it, you can see father and son sitting side by side. James is looking way more serious than he did when he was running raucous records back in the day. He's ditched the eyebrow piercing and traded his bleached blonde hair for a buzz cut. Rupert, who's 80 at this point, is stooped and a little frail. His wife, Wendy, is perched behind them dressed in a Pepto-pink blazer. A member of parliament asks James about a nearly million-dollar settlement he authorized, ostensibly, to buy the silence of Gordon Taylor, the chief executive of the Professional Footballers Association, whose phone messages were tapped. Starting with you, Mr. James Murdoch, I know we've been over at length the differences in the size of the settlement uh, paid, but can you just tell me whether or not the Taylor settlement included a confidentiality clause? And maybe the other settlement did not. But before James can answer, something catches his attention. He turns to his left, and a look of shock crosses his face. A man has entered the room and is rushing toward James and Rupert himself. James leaps to his feet. Wendy leaps up too. The courtroom erupts. The man's name is Johnny Marbles, and he's shouting, You're a greedy billionaire. Then he reaches into his bag and pulls out a pie tin filled with shaving foam. He moves to smash the pie in Rupert's face, but Wendy lunges between them, swings her arm, and punches Johnny in the head. Then she picks up the pie plate and shoves it into his face. The police quickly grab Johnny and lead him away in handcuffs as shaving cream drips off his head. I feel like... That's the kind of court scene we need to see more of. (laughs) There needs to be more whipped cream pies. Oh, yeah, 100%. If I'm ever in court, I'm bringing one of those bad boys. (laughs) So suddenly, everyone sees Wendy as some sort of hero. The media calls her a cross between one of Charlie's angels and a character in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Okay, that's not racist at all. Yeah, right. Even one of the members of Parliament makes a comment to Rupert. He says, Murdoch. Your wife has a very good left hook. You know, getting pied is actually a thing that's happened to a lot of famous people. Bill Gates, Ralph Nader, the King of Sweden. (laughs) Well, it sure isn't a sign of respect. Wendy may look like a hero, but James and Rupert remain the villains. The pie-throwing incident is a sign that people are pissed at the Murdochs. The public and parliament won't soon forget that the news of the world engaged in criminal activities for gossip. Murdoch's reporters broke into the phones of members of parliament and of war heroes. Now, the public wants blood. Murdoch blood.
From Wondery, I'm Brooke Sifrin. And I'm Arisha Skidmore-Williams. And this is Even the Rich. In our last episode, Liz and Lachlan walked away from the Murdoch empire, and James emerged as the new heir. Right as the news of the world phone hacking scandal threatened to take away everything he'd gained. Now, Rupert and James are fighting to keep the company together, Wendy's tearing the family apart, and Liz and Lachlan aren't quite out of the running yet. This is Episode 3, Humble Pie. That's the champagne. I would just like to say one sentence. This is the most humble day of my life. Okay, thank you. Is that Rupert? Yep, speaking later in the same hearing, after all the pie's been cleaned up. This is the lowest point in his career. Just two weeks earlier, the story broke that Murdoch's reporters had hacked into a woman's phone and made her parents believe she was still alive. News Corp claimed it was one rogue reporter, but it quickly became clear it wasn't. It turns out writers across Murdoch's empire were doing it for good gossip. They tracked down addresses and phone numbers and stole PIN numbers and bank account numbers from thousands of people. One informant says reporters contacted him for dirt once a day, every day, for five years. That's almost as bad as the telemarketers are. (laughs) Calling about my health insurance. Almost as bad. (laughs) Yeah, but this was not one bad apple. This was a whole internal culture at Murdoch's tabloids. In all, almost 4,000 people were hacked. Everyone from victims of terrorists to members of the royal family. Which royals were hacked? William, Kate, and Harry. And it goes beyond just hacking to get a scoop. Reporters bribed cops for information. They staked out victims' houses and took secret photos of them with long-range lenses. They stole security camera footage. The deeper the investigation goes, the worse it gets. Now, to be fair, Rupert's tabloids aren't the only ones pulling this shit, but his papers were the most shocking. They become the public face of the scandal, and Rupert feels the heat. He goes into damage control mode. On July 10th, he shuts down News of the World. That's a shame. I remember back in episode one when he tricked an old English gentleman (laughs) into selling it to him. Yeah, those were the days. Screws of the world is now really screwed. After 168 years in print, it's done. Wow. Can you imagine that moment when he shut it down? That must have been insane. Let's do it. (laughs) You be Rupert. Fellow employees, I have a sad announcement to make. Watermelons, 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 watermelons. What are you doing? I'm the crowd. We're anticipating something terrible. Employees... The news of the world is in the business of holding others to account, but it failed to when it came to itself. Therefore, we will be shutting down shop. Sunday will be our last edition. Oh man, how am I going to feed the wife and kids? Yeah, what are we supposed to do now? Gonna give us jobs at one of the other papers? Say, where'd you get that suit? I made it. Now, get back to work. Okay, but this was a huge moment in Rupert's career. Sure, it's just a small portion of his empire. I mean, he still owns the New York Post, and he also owns the Wall Street Journal, Fox News, Fox Broadcasting, the 21st Century Fox Movie Studio, and News of the World isn't a big part of his portfolio by now. But it doesn't matter. He hasn't been caught in a scandal like this probably ever in his professional career. Rupert runs full-page apologies in every major newspaper in England, saying, We are sorry for the serious wrongdoing that occurred. 
wrongdoers turned a good newsroom bad and this was not fully understood or adequately pursued. And he signs it himself. Then he visits the girl's parents, whose phone his reporters hacked to apologize in person. But no apology can make up for the magnitude of the scandal. The stories of people whose privacy they violated keep coming. When the case goes to trial, a bunch of celebrities testify about their experience with the hacking. Are you suggesting there that the that story must have come from phone hacking? Well, what I say in this paragraph is that the Mail on Sunday ran an article, February 2007, saying that my relationship with my then-girlfriend, Jemima Khan, was on the rocks because mm-hmm. of my persistent late-night flirtatious phone calls with a plummy-voiced studio executive from Warner Brothers. Is that late 90s, early 2000s rom-com legend Hugh Grant? You know it. Reporters from three different Murdoch papers spied on him and hacked into his voicemails for 10 years. He even said that the reporters paid off hospital workers to get his medical records. Mm. Here's another one. Can you guess who this is? This was my oldest daughter. So this would have been when I was really in the first burst of publicity surrounding me. Uh, She was in her first year at primary school. And I unzipped her school bag in the evening. And among the usual letters from school and debris that every child generates, I found an envelope addressed to me and a journalist. Ah, the voice sounds super familiar. Okay, I'll give you a hint. She's probably the most famous muggle in the world. J.K. (laughs) Rowling. Yeah. Wow. Oh, God. Well, apparently reporters from News of the World slipped a note for Rowling into her daughter's backpack. Wow. How did they have access to a little girl's backpack? I know. It's super creepy. Her daughter was only five years old. They also called her house pretending to be from the post office and the tax office, trying to get info from her. Ugh, that shit is so scary. Yeah. And it wasn't just celebrities they did this stuff to. They hacked into the phones of another murder victim's family. This time, the victim was an eight-year-old girl. I mean, this has got to be the end of Rupert Murdoch. Well, Rupert will find someone to blame. And like any good monarch, he doesn't want it to be his son. Okay, so who's the fall guy? It's a fall girl. Rebecca Brooks. Ah, Rupert's surrogate daughter. That's right. She's the CEO of News Corp in England, and this whole hacking stuff started when she ran News of the World. But Rupert loves Rebecca like his own daughter. Or so it would seem. The same day Rupert shuts down News of the World, he's seen by reporters walking out of his London home with her. They're like, Oi, Rupert, what's your top priority in dealing with this bloody mess? Rupert puts his arm around Rebecca and says, This one. Aw, cue the strings. (laughs) But even if Rupert is loyal to Rebecca, the scandal's too big. Even the prime minister is calling for her resignation. And it doesn't help her cause when she's caught up in a scandal called Horsegate. It involves the prime minister improperly riding Rebecca's horse. That's either a double entendre or the most English thing I've ever heard. Basically, it comes out that a few years back, Scotland Yard gave Rebecca a retired police horse named Raisa. 
So Raisa was getting up in years and was loaned out to Rebecca, who was editor of The Sun at the time. Which is under investigation for the hacking scandals. Yeah, you can see where this is going. Rebecca isn't lucky in the scandal department. She's got the horse holed up at her farm in the Cotswolds, where it turns out the prime minister, David Cameron, is a regular visitor. And apparently Raisa was so cute, he couldn't resist. He rode her. So when the whole thing comes out... Cameron at first tries to deny it, but he finally admits he's friends with Rebecca's husband. And he says, Before the election, yes, I did go riding with him. He has a number of different horses. And yes, one of them was this former police horse, Razor, which I did ride. And I think I should probably conclude by saying I don't think I'll be getting back into the saddle anytime soon. But Horsegate is more than just a laughing matter. It's proof of the cozy relationship between politicians and the press who are supposed to write about them objectively. Rebecca's embroiled in two scandals, so she's not exactly winning any popularity contests. On July 15, 2011, after being savaged by the press and members of parliament, Rebecca throws up her hands and resigns. But get this, Rupert keeps paying her salary. Ugh, the number of jobs I would quit just to have my salary keep getting paid. All of them. Yeah. I mean, I wish I was more shocked. Rupert tells Rebecca to think of it as a long-paid vacation. He says, travel the world on me for a year. And he gives her almost 11 million pounds as a little goodbye present. But the problem is, Rebecca doesn't have time to book that round-the-world cruise. Rebecca Brooks had willingly made an appointment to go to the police station today to answer questions. When she arrived, she was arrested. Yeah, she's arrested and charged with conspiracy to intercept communications in the course of their transmission without lawful authority. Okay, pretend I haven't seen every single episode of Law & Order and explain that to me. Sure. Hacking into people's phones. Got it. (laughs) Eventually, she'll also be charged with orchestrating a cover-up, including three charges of conspiracy to pervert the course of justice by hiding evidence from the detectives investigating the hacking scandal. Okay, and what did Rupert and James know? I mean, this happens on their watch. Well, they take a lot of heat too, especially James. When he first goes before Parliament in the summer of 2011, he denies knowing anything. But a few months later, it comes out that an editor of News of the World had forwarded James an email chain that says phone hacking is rife at the tabloid. Except James says he never read the full email chain. So it's just like when I tell my boss, oh, that must have gone into the spam folder. Yeah, that is literally one of my favorite moves. Classic. (laughs) So now that James is feeling the pressure, he needs someone to blame. Prudence. Exactly. No, no, no. (laughs) He blames (laughs) Rupert for creating a corporate culture that encouraged this kind of bad behavior. James even goes behind Rupert's back and tells members of the board that he thinks Rupert might be getting senile. Between Rupert, James, and Rebecca Brooks, it's like a circular firing squad. Rupert turns around and blames James for not squashing the crisis before it got out of hand. Rupert says James should have been less worried about surrounding himself with a team of suck-ups and more worried about stopping the crisis by, you know, covering it up. Yikes. So Rupert thinks this is all James's fault. And he's not alone. So I just want to say DoorDash deserves all the gold stars. Like, I cannot tell you how many times it's come in handy. We actually use it for our Thursday night sleepovers. We get Cheesecake Factory all the time on DoorDash. (laughs) Uh, 
but it's it's good for a lot of things. Groceries, late night snacks, all kinds of stuff. And before you ask Richie's, yes, of course we have a code. You can use code <laughs> RICH24 to get 50% off up to a $10 value. When you spend $15 or more on your next convenience, grocery, or retail order, for eligible users only, terms apply. Love it. Listen, Rich you play your cards right, you never have to leave your house again. <laughs> yep. And that's the real dream. <laughs> it is. Get everything you need when you need it. Use code RICH24 to get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more at convenience, grocery, or select retail stores on DoorDash. For eligible users only, terms apply. Can we talk about how cool it is that with Audible, you almost feel like you're watching a movie just by listening to the stories? Especially with Audible's new collection of exclusive thrillers. They feature captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances, so the story is really brought to life. I'm excited to listen to None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. It's actually about a podcaster. (gasps) who meets this girl and this girl like tells her about her life and she's like you should feature me in your podcast but then the girl's life is like very strange oh my gosh so why has that not happened to us yet it will it's only a matter of time <laughs> but it sounds so good and juicy yeah and richie says an audible member you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog including best-selling audio titles and new releases in every genre New members can try Audible now free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash even the rich or text even the rich to 500 500. That's audible.com slash even the rich or text even the rich to 500 500 to get started. Brooke, what's going on with the women in the Murdoch clan? Liz, Rupert's wife, Wendy. Well, we'll get to Wendy later. But yeah, let's talk about Liz. She thinks Rupert and James are handling things all wrong. The way she sees it, this all blew up because they didn't take her advice. As the scandal was just starting to break, she told them to come clean. No finger pointing, no cover-ups, but they didn't listen. She's mostly pissed that their screw-ups might endanger her inheritance. According to journalist Michael Wolf, Liz told some dinner party guests that James and Rebecca, quote, fucked the company. Another source tells the New York Times that Liz secretly advised Rupert to fire James and put her in charge instead. Dang, she's really fighting dirty. I like it. (laughs) Liz denies she ever said it, but either way, Rupert comes pretty close to taking her advice. He's all set to fire James, but he backs down at the last minute. In exchange, James takes a beating from the press and from the government, which isn't a great look for Rupert. I mean, this is his number one son, Rupert built a reputation that he was this master manipulator. He's the guy who owns the news. He can stir up a scandal or bury a story with a wave of his hand. But now he's lost his magic touch. There's nothing he can do to make this scandal go away. The trials and hearings drag on for more than two years. And it seems like every day another embarrassing story comes out. When it's all over, more than 100 people are arrested. Reporters, editors, cops, private investigators, public officials. News International is forced to pay millions of dollars to settle claims from hacking victims. It's pretty bad. But some of those people emerge somewhat unscathed, like Rebecca Brooks. She's cleared of all charges, and Rupert immediately hires her back. Things don't go quite as well for James. His star is definitely dimmed. Which makes room for the reemergence of his sister Liz. But whether Liz wants to be her dad's right hand and successor is another story. Let's back up a little bit. While News Corp's mired in scandal, Liz has been busy building her own media company, Shine. And it's going really well. 
she put The Biggest Loser on the air. MasterChef is an international hit. She even buys the company that produces the U.S. version of The Office. So Liz wants to take Shine to the next level, but she needs more money to do it. Hmm, if only she knew some rich guy who could lend it to her. Yep. In 2008, Liz sits down with her dad, and they make a deal. Then in the spring of 2011, just before the phone hacking scandal breaks, News Corp acquires Shine for $670 million. Liz gets about 40% of that herself. Whew, she drives a hard bargain. <laughs> Maybe too hard. News Corp's shareholders sue, claiming that Rupert overpaid for Shine, and they accuse the family of rampant nepotism. A competitor newspaper in London, The Evening Standard, runs the headline, Murdoch's daughter to get 370 million pounds from daddy. A few days later, Matthew Freud bumps into the Evening Standard's editor at a party and says, how dare you insult my wife, and throws a martini in the guy's face. <laughs> Rumors start swirling that Liz might be the new designated heir in town. Liz is smart, successful, well-connected. I mean, Bono was at her 40th birthday party. She's part of the Chipping Norton set. It's like this power group, celebs, politicians, obscenely rich people who all own houses about 100 miles north of London. But Liz has more than a great Rolodex. Her friend tells a writer at The New Yorker that she combines the best of her brothers in one package. She has the brains of James and the heart of Lachlan. Deadline says... The Shine deal will now intensify the palace intrigue behind Rupert's big media giant. Bringing Liz back inside the tent puts her back at the heart of decision-making in News Corp. It would be the perfect time for Liz and Rupert to combine forces. She plans to take a seat on the News Corp executive board. But just as the deal is formally closing, the hacking scandal breaks. Being the face of Team Murdoch doesn't necessarily look so great to her anymore. So even though the deal goes through, she decides not to join the News Corp board. Instead, she just sticks to running shine. Although, if we're going to get medieval, it's really a fiefdom inside of Rupert's empire, right? Because News Corp owns shine. True, but she's still doing her own thing. She's growing shine her way. She opens offices in 10 countries and produces TV shows all over the world. She wants to get into digital media, even video games. Hmm, maybe a hip-hop label or two? Yeah, but even then, she can't get the respect she deserves. Family friends say Rupert always puts Lachlan and James ahead of Liz. Just because she's the girl? That's what most people think. And don't forget, they refused to listen to her when she tried to save the company when the hacking scandal broke. And look how well that turned out. In 2011, Liz tells a writer for The New Yorker, You'd love your parents to be proud of you. Of course that influenced me, but not so much anymore because I feel, how to say this, I feel that I know who I am. Each time I tried to work in this company, he wasn't impressed. I realized I had to just go and be myself. In 2012, when Liz is invited to give the Mac Taggart lecture at the Edinburgh Television Festival, her opening line pokes fun at the who's up, who's down drama in her family. Writing in McTaggart has been quite a welcome distraction from some of the other nightmares much closer to home. Yes, you have met some of my family before. <laughs> but the jokes end there. Liz uses the rest of her lecture to openly question her family's judgment. She goes right to something James said when he gave the same lecture a few years earlier. James ended his lecture with a line in which he claimed that the only reliable 
and perpetual guarantor of independence is profit. James was right that if you remove profit, then independence is massively challenged. But I think that he left something out. The reason his statement sat so uncomfortably is that profit without purpose is a recipe for disaster. Translation, James only cares about money, but I have values. That's definitely how James hears it. The two are barely speaking. Liz has been fuming about the phone hacking scandal ever since James and Rupert went against her advice and launched their completely unsuccessful attempt to deflect blame and cover up the problem. Now she's airing her grievances publicly. Okay, so I'm learning that rule number one in rich families is do not air your dirty laundry in public. Mm-hmm. James is pissed. And Rupert refuses to even listen to it. He doesn't speak to Liz for nine weeks. And Lachlan's off in Australia living his best life far away from his family. All windsurfing and barbecues. <laughs> and some light investing. He invests in a cricket team, a real estate website, and a toy company. One investment is an Australian telecom business he tries to position as a young, hip service for internet and cell phones. Their logo was a little drawing of a guy with a goatee and a beanie called The Dude. That company goes belly up. But even with that misstep, Lachlan loves Australia and Australia loves him. He's a celebrity down there. He's married to a former model. They own three massive houses, including a Sydney beach house with ocean views from every room. They have three kids. The whole family goes sailing, surfing, and rock climbing. Compared to his dad and brother getting grilled by politicians all day in gray, foggy London, Lachlan hasn't made. At least someone in the Murdoch family is enjoying themselves. Yeah, but it's not like he's completely oblivious to the nightmare his dad and brother are going through. As the phone hacking scandal rages, Lachlan sees an opportunity. He's like, Daddy needs me. So he hops on a plane and flies from Australia to Britain. He goes straight from the airport to his dad's office in London. He looks great. Even though he's just been on a long-ass flight, he's got a deep tan. He's clearly been working out. He's practically glowing. Lachlan's there to set his dad at ease. He's like, don't panic, Dad. You will survive. The company will survive. Trust me. We're going to come out of this stronger than ever. And you'd better believe Rupert's touched. Who knows? Maybe he's wishing Lachlan was still his right-hand man. Ooh, this is some Cain and Abel shit. Yeah. James, on the other hand, is still working overtime to be son number one. And he has to deal with being the public face of the phone hacking scandal which means he's the one who has to show up at the House of Commons day after day and face down a lot of very angry politicians. And in front of TV cameras, because these hearings are being followed by millions of people all over the UK and around the world. I mean, I do kind of feel bad for him. At the end of the day, he's really just trying to protect his dad. Yeah, and whether or not James is at fault, and he does maintain his innocence, the whole situation is humiliating for him. First, he steps down as the executive chairman of all of News Corp's UK newspapers. Then, as the investigation drags on, it becomes clear that News Corp is never going to be considered fit and proper with James in charge. So in April 2012, he resigns as chairman of the other businesses he runs, including B Sky B. In September of 2012, a month after his sister dunked on him in her speech, the Office of Communication says that James repeatedly fell short of the conduct to be expected of a chief executive and chairman. So he heads to New York, which is where he grew up and once ran his hip-hop label. It's the perfect place to lay low for a while, 
lick his wounds, and then he's going to launch himself right back into the very center of his dad's empire. So you're trying to eat better, but meal prepping isn't exactly cutting it. Trust me, I've been there, which is why I'm so excited for today's sponsor, Factor. Factor's pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals are delivered right to your door and heat up in just two minutes. Eating better has never been easier. It really hasn't. And you'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more. This is a sponsor that we're like, we're going to probably pay for this on our own when it runs out. And that's a big testament. Like, the meals are delicious. I have not had a meal I don't like from there. The idea of being able to put something in the microwave for two minutes and it coming out as if you cooked it. (sighs) Yeah. I feel like we're living in the future. We are. And we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Yeah. So head to factormeals.com slash rich50 and use code rich50 to get 50% off. That's code rich50 at factormeals.com slash rich50 to get 50% off. It's time for a little dramatic reading. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. I'm so, so missing Tony. Because he is so, so charming, and his clothes are so good. He has such a good body, and he has really, really good legs and butt. And he's slim, tall, and has good skin. (laughs) Piercing blue eyes, which I love. Love his eyes. Also, I love his power on the stage. And what else? And what else? And what else? Okay, did you find my high school diary? Because that sounds exactly like something I wrote about Alex Kinn, who starred in Everybody Was Kung Fu Fighting in the Rock and Roll Revival. Um, That's a lot of info. (laughs) But no, uh, that's a page from Wendy Murdoch's diary. Who's Tony? Tony Blair. He also happens to practically be best friends with Rupert Murdoch. No way. Yes, indeed. Wendy's in love, or at least in lust. Rupert heard rumors for years that Wendy was getting a little too close to some of her male friends, like when Wendy supposedly hooked up with Google's CEO. News Corp execs start saying, Wendy's been Googled. But Rupert never expected Tony Blair. Rupert's newspapers endorsed Tony in his run for prime minister. And Rupert himself donated a ton of money to his campaign. Tony is even the godfather to one of Rupert and Wendy's kids. It's fall 2012. We're on Rupert's 1,000-acre ranch in Carmel on the northern California coast. Ooh, is that a seagull I hear? No, that's a crow. The staff is running around, making beds, stocking the fridge, probably putting fancy little soaps in every shower. Wendy will be arriving soon. She's flying in from New York to host a girl's trip in the fresh air and sunshine. Or at least that's what she tells Rupert. So the frantic staff members are probably surprised when Wendy shows up and only has one girlfriend with her. And that friend leaves early. Pretty much as soon as she's gone, Tony arrives. Wendy and Tony's tryst takes an unfortunate turn. Remember, Tony used to be prime minister. He can't exactly travel light. Everywhere he goes, he brings secret service with him, including to Carmel. That attracts a lot of attention. 
But Wendy and Tony don't exactly go out of their way to hide their affair. Back in London, Tony's seen leaving Rupert and Wendy's house at odd hours. Finally, in the summer of 2013, Rupert sits down with all his domestic staff members one by one and asks them point blank, is Wendy having an affair? That must have been terrifying. Or a great opportunity to exact some revenge. Rupert's private staff, the cooks and housekeepers and nannies, they're not exactly Wendy's biggest fans. Probably because she's a tyrant. She's constantly flying into rages. And for a billionaire, she's really cheap. All the food in the fridge was labeled, and Wendy would notice if one bite was missing. (laughs) Wendy once got so mad at a nanny, she kicked her out of the car and made her walk home. So when Rupert asks staff members to fess up about what's really going on with Wendy and Tony, the stories start pouring out. One staffer saw Tony walk into Wendy's bedroom when they were alone together at the ranch. Another watched them feeding each other at dinner. Two grown adults should not be feeding (laughs) each other at dinner. When confronted, Tony emphatically denies anything happened. Wendy, meanwhile, thinks Rupert's just looking for an excuse to dump her. Because staying with Wendy is not cheap. And the longer he's married to her, the more it costs. According to their prenup, he's got to pay her a million dollars for every year they're married. It's clear Wendy and Rupert are falling apart. They live totally separate lives. Wendy is young and vivacious, staying out all night partying with friends like Hugh Jackman, Barbara Walters, Queen Rania of Jordan. A lot of days, she gets home from partying at dawn right as Rupert is heading off to work. And when they're together, well, let's just say it's not too lovey-dovey. Apparently, Wendy once got so pissed that Rupert wouldn't do something for her that she went down to his office, barged in, and an earshot of Rupert's employees started screaming, Fuck you, Rupert! You're stupid! What are you going to do when I'm gone? A friend of Rupert's even alleges that Wendy's physically abusive. The friend says that the pair once got into a huge fight and Wendy shoved Rupert. He fell backwards into the piano, landed on the floor, and couldn't get back up. But the next day at work, he made up a vague excuse for why he looked banged up. That is terrible. Plus, James and Lachlan keep warning Rupert that Wendy is bad news. Lachlan is actually one of the first people to tell Rupert about the rumors that Wendy was cheating. It all gets to be too much for Rupert. On June 13th, 2013, he files for divorce without telling Wendy. She finds out from a lawyer. What is it with this family and not telling people before they do things? Always got to keep that element of surprise. Mm. Rupert never confronts Wendy or Tony about their supposed affair. He just stops returning Tony's calls. As she put it in her diary, I don't feel sad about losing Eric. He is really really ugly, unattractive, and fat. Not stylish at all. Trying to wear hip clothes. I am so, 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 so happy I'm not with him. The night Rupert files for divorce, he and his sons go out to dinner to celebrate. Weirdly, all this Wendy drama has brought Lachlan and James together. But the divorce isn't good for all the Murdoch children. Remember Matthew Freud, Liz's husband? Well, Matthew's good friends with Tony, and he stands up for his buddy after Rupert cuts all ties. That puts Liz in a pretty awkward position. Should she stand with her husband, or should she take her dad's side? Well, in the end, blood wins out. She sides with her dad, and it drives her and Matthew apart. To nurse their wounds, she and Matthew go sailing on the Mediterranean. On separate yachts. (laughs) 
Yeah, this is the rich person version of drawing a line across your bedroom with masking tape. <laughs> yeah, Matthew doesn't even invite his own father-in-law to his 50th birthday party. He invites Tony instead. In 2013, with both Wendy and Matthew Freud out, the two biggest outside influences on the Murdoch family are gone. I'm going to miss those assholes. Yeah, they were great. <laughs> <laughs> now it's back to the original group and the original rivalries. Lachlan and James might be on the same team now, but as we enter the final chapter of the story, the succession battle is coming to its shocking conclusion. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Even the Rich ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. This is the third episode of our four-part series, The Real Life Succession. We use many sources when researching our stories, like Vanity Fair, The New York Times, and The New Yorker. And yes, a few of the sorts of tabloids that Rupert would approve of. But we especially recommend two books. Rupert Murdoch, The Untold Story of the World's Greatest Media Wizard by Neil Chenoweth, and The Man Who Owns the News by Michael Wolff. I'm Brooke Sifrin. And I'm Arisha Skidmore-Williams. Summer Block wrote this episode. Our audio engineer is Sergio Enriquez. Our producer on this series was Caleb Bissinger. Our associate producer is Kate Young. Our senior producers are Ben Gray and Natalie Shisha. Sound design by James Morgan. Additional sound design by Jake Gorski. Our executive producers are Stephanie Jens, Jenny Lauer-Beckman, and Marsha Louie for Wondering. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.